Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Dave Walters. In today's episode, I'm joined again by Carsten Gaussauger, who is a member of the Interpretations Committee, in fact has just attended his second Interpretations Committee meeting. And Carsten will be sharing with us what went on at this week's meeting at the Interpretations Committee. So Carsten, welcome. Thanks so much, Dave. Excellent. And uh, I mean, your first meeting uh, was featured some a variety of very interesting topics, including uh, cannabis. Has the Interpretations Committee maintained its connection with the all things topical? <laughs> Absolutely, it has. We have some, you know, really exciting topics on the agenda again this time. Um, you know, including uh, including um, for accounting for some football transfer arrangements. Excellent. So that's something a lot of people can get excited about. And if you look at the combination of, you know, the passion for football and the passion for accounting, that's how the discussion, discussion went. Excellent. And what we're talking about here with the accounting for football transfers is actually recording them in the books rather than trying to get the manager to justify why he spent so much money on that particular player. That's right. Excellent. Very good. Uh, so, 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 Carsten, I think for this week's meeting, there was one agenda decision to finalise, and that was in connection with IFRS 16. That's uh, right. Would you uh, care to share with us where we got to? Yeah, actually, this was, um, you know, a very special um, interpretations committee meeting, because mm. as we note in the meeting, it was the last IFRIC meeting of the decade. Excellent. So, so, did, you, so you, did you go out with a bang? Was there a little party? <laughs> I think we probably did. <laughs> Excellent. So, so on the first topic uh, where we finalized an agenda decision, uh, quite an quite an emotional topic uh, that was discussed for a long time, uh, which is about you know actually it's two topics. It's uh, um, about the lease term, determining the lease term, and a related topic, which is determining the useful life of useful improvements. And there was especially a lot of controversy on the first question. Hmm. The second one was le much less controversial. We did receive quite a few comment letters on, on this matter and uh, about, uh, you know, roughly about one third of the comment letters agreed with the technical analysis of the committee. So around two thirds of the comment letters actually disagreed with one or more aspects of the, of the committee's technical an analysis. So obviously that, you know, means we need to do some thinking on how, to, how we want to go ahead with that. But perhaps just to introduce into the topic again, as a reminder, the issue really was about, you know, how to determine the lease term of a cancelable or renewable lease mm. and, and specifically um, how to apply the term or the notion of penalty in paragraph B34 of uh, IFRS 16. So the question was really, is, the, is, that, um, an, is, is that term meant to, to, to apply narrowly, just payments of penalty, or is it a broader concept, mm. including economic considerations, yeah. economic incentives or disincentives for, for the parties? So um, in terms of the conclusion, I think, you know, my view is that, you know, it's pretty clear that the board's intention was to have this as a broad concept, you know, mm. a broader interpretation of penalty, including economic aspects. So it's an economic assessments. So the question was very much around, is there enough in the words of the standard to conclude on this or wh whether a narrow scope standard setting would be the right way forward? So we had, we had quite mixed views on, on this one. Mm. Obviously, you know, some considerations include the timing uh, when this would be applicable and um, also uh, you know the, the 
the issue about you know are you are you opening up a much broader debate than just penalty you know broader yeah. consideration and so um, at the end um, it was quite a narrow decision and we had a small majority supporting finalizing the agenda decision uh, basically as drafted but that was as i said very close yeah very close vote but you know i think in practice it probably won't make that much of a difference i know that some people may have a different view on this one it's it's um, quite controversial but i think it's uh, important to remind people in this context about the concept of having sufficient time to mm -hmm. implement this so regardless of you know uh, how you implement it you know if you're going going ahead with an agenda decision i think it you know we will highlight that people will have sufficient time to limit that so for a lot of companies i think it you know I, I i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of companies weren't able to implement that for year ends yeah so so they would be harking back to previous publications from the interpretations committee and the board that uh, say that relates to how quickly companies should implement agenda decisions and the concept that says uh, actually just because it's been issued and it's, it's an agenda decision doesn't mean yeah. it's applicable absolutely straight away if that's not practicable. And I think that's especially important for this agenda decision. I know, you know, we are just, you know, 35 days mm. away from year end. Mm. And I think, you know, the committee perfectly acknowledges and realizes that, you know, um, it will not be possible for many entities, uh, at you know, at least for those who have a substantial number of lease contracts to implement this Okay. completely by year end. So I think that's accepted. Okay, so so you kicked off with something relatively uncontroversial, the the, the topic of lease term, uh, and uh, that agenda decision has been has been finalised. I think there was another. Yeah. Maybe just one more mentioning because there was the second issue uh, of part, course, of the, part of the um, agenda decision, which was on the um, depreciation period for use, use um, for leasehold improvements. Yes, and and I think those two questions are interrelated. So um, you know it. If you accept the broad interpretation of penalty as the committee has now decided, then you know that means that um, there should be some consistency in the depreciation period and the lease term. Yeah. Um, now the committee acknowledged it may not it may not always be exactly the same, but there clearly is an interaction between the two. So you know I think you know to uh, to give an example, you know if you have substantial residual values in your in your useful um, in your leasehold improvements at the end of the lease term, you know, that may indicate that there is actually an economic incentive uh, and you should perhaps reconsider whether you got the lease term right in the first place. Uh, and that sounds like a sensible interpretation yeah, of, the, exactly. of the standard and less less controversial. So, yeah. so that was the first lease issue, which was a, which a finalised decision. I understand there was an early, well, there's a debate of, uh, of another IFRS 16 question. Yeah, that's right. And that was also quite an interesting uh, discussion. Um, the committee did not conclude on this matter. Um, uh, and we're not going to issue a tentative agenda decision on that one. And uh, the reason is not that there was any sort of disagreement on the analysis. I think people um, broadly agreed with the analysis in the paper. It was more because uh, quite a few committee members felt that one aspect was missing in the analysis so right. it's kind of kind of incomplete so you know the the issue is about a sale and leaseback transaction where you have variable payments in the leaseback and let's talk about an example where you have let's say fully variable lease payments mm. and so the question was when you have a transaction like that IFRS 16 paragraph 100 tells you you know to measure the carrying amount of the right of use asset um, as 
as a, as a proportion of the right retained. Mm. And you measure the gain as a portion of the you know, rights that you have transferred. Yep. So and these two are, I guess, kind of interrelated. So, so what that effectively tells you in a situation like that, you know, the, you know, the first observation that's made is, you know, if you have fully variable leaseback pa uh, lease payments in the leaseback, that, you know, that doesn't mean that the right you have retained is zero, just yeah. because, you know, just because in a normal lease, you wouldn't recognize any yeah. uh, fully variable lease payments. So you need to come up with a calculation, and I think the committee acknowledges that there may be more than one method to do this. You need to come up with a calculation, what's the, what the carrying amount of your right of use asset is, uh, what the proportion of the right of use is that you retained, and the one that you mm -hmm. transferred. The problem, I think, with that is, I think, the com you know, my, my, my notion was that the committee agreed that uh, you would have some carrying amount of the right of use asset, so it's not, it's not nil. Mm. And you would not be able to recognize the entire gain upfront, which was one of the views in the paper. Yeah. So I think that was uh, there was agreement on that aspect. But then I think the the problem is that you know if you do this calculation and you come up with some measurement for the right of use asset, and when you then then do your journal entry, you know you have you know you, you debit your carrying amount of the right of use asset. So you have some measurement for that. Uh, you have the cash that you receive. Uh, you have the gain, so all of these are, you know, clear numbers, let's say, and then you have some residual amount, right? Mm. And that's, um, that's, I think it's also quite clear that that would be a liability. Mm. But there was a question about, you know, what kind of liability yes. what is, is this? What, yes. what is it exactly? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's clear that it's, fun it's a financial liability, but there are quite a few questions around, you know, what do you do with this liability, especially in subsequent measurement? Yes. And, and that's why the committee decided uh, at the end, you know, we should, even though not asked specifically, we should be helpful to our constituents and also give, you know, do some more analysis on what this liability really is. So mm. this, you know, so the staff has been directed to, to do some more work on this and we will bring, um, bring back a paper to the next. And, and we should wish the staff well in that, <laughs> in that particular exercise because that, that's not straightforward. Yeah, you're right. Uh, excellent. So that's going to come back to the first meeting in the uh, the twenties of decade. Is that will be a highlight at the? Yes, that's going to be. I think that's going to be on the agenda um, for the first meeting in the next decade. Yeah. Excellent. So the interpretations committee can start the twenty twenties with a bang. So that's the leases questions you debated. Uh, you then debated uh, football, and actually, well, uh, the first lease question we talked about involved penalties and. I would observe that an Englishman here and a German talking about penalties and football normally doesn't go very well, <laughs> certainly not for the English. But this, uh, the, the football agenda decision was actually nothing to do with penalties, but was to do with the emotive subject of players and transfers. So would you care to tell us what, uh, uh, what the committee debated? Yeah. Um, so the fact pattern uh, was broadly where a football club transfers a player to another football club and uh, you know basically receives uh, some consideration for the transfer now on the specific fact pattern you know the the player was registered in an electronic transfer system and that meant that you know this registration means that the player would be unable to play for for another club mm -hmm. and i think what's also what was also highlighted in the submission is that you know legally you cannot transfer this right so the employment contract is terminated and a new mm -hmm right is established. 
So the submitters suggested that there is not a disposal of that intention, you know, of that player, right? And so the question was, you know, basically whether you would recognize revenue for, you know, for for the, for this transaction, mm -hmm. or whether you would instead recognize a net gain or loss outside of revenue. That that's yeah. basically the question. But I think it's it's it's, it's probably broader than just. Um, football industry you can have similar mm. transactions you know if you think about media pharma and things like that yeah so the question is whether it's revenue or gain on gain or loss on disposal of a uh, of a non-current asset and intangible asset that's right okay so in, in in analyzing the issue i think the first question you have you need to answer um or you need to analyze is whether it's an intangible within the scope of ice 38 mm -hmm. or whether it may potentially be uh, inventory I think you know you know practically speaking, this will typically be an intangible asset. That's the predominant method of accounting at the moment. Yes, and that's what people are doing at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, I think the committee acknowledges that in theory, uh, it may potentially be possible to have inventory if you meet the inventory definition. Um, so you need to look at that quite carefully. Mm -hmm. um, there will be you know, actually put some extra words in that, highlighting that you would need to analyze whether you actually do meet the definition of inventory, because that would mean you have would have a, need to have a business model, you know, of developing and then and selling, selling players, which personally I think is quite rare in practice. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it it could be in theory it could be possible, and but I think the distinction is quite important because you can only get to recording revenue if you if you record. The, the right as, a, as inventory. Yes, because otherwise the intangible asset standard essentially says you, you would yeah. not get revenue on disposal. Yeah, I mean, ICE 38 is very explicit yeah. that you um, would show the net gain yeah. outside of revenue, so you yeah. would not show it in revenue and you would also not gross it up. So that's, so that's why this distinction is, is, is so important. And mm -hmm. then I think the final uh, observation I would make, of course, it's also important to have consistency then with the presentation across the financial statement, especially in the statement of cash flows. Oh, yes. It's because inconsistency in cash flows is, is a favorite hunting ground of, of regulators, as we, as we know from, from right. previous experience. So, um, so the committee has acknowledged that, that you need to understand the business model of the club and that will drive your, that will yeah. drive your accounting. Yeah. So, so the, the agenda decision will basically be finalized as drafted with this mm. new, few, let's say, wording uh, such um, amendments, especially mm. around the, you know, clarifying that you need to look carefully at the definition of inventories. Excellent. So that's, uh, that's something to, to look forward to. And uh, talking of agenda decisions to look forward to, we had one on the subject of income taxes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, we don't have a huge amount of time to go into the ins and outs of. But uh, would you care to outline the question that the committee were debating? Yeah, I mean, as you suggested, I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's going to be quite a complex issue and it's only relevant in some territories, you know, such as um, Australia, Singapore, Canada and the UK as well, I understand. So the question is basically when you have multiple tax consequences for of recovering um, a single asset. So the example is you acquire an intangible asset with, um, let's say, a limited useful life. You depreciate that over um, the, you know, useful life. The um, residual value is nil. So in, in a situation like that, uh, where you have a tax regime where the entity receives no tax deduction in respect of the amortization of the license, 
uh, but you do get um, a tax deduction when the license expires, uh, you know, capital gains mm. tax yeah. regime. The question is whether, you know, and you're not allowed to offset these two effects, whether you would ap apply or identify a single tax base for the transaction or whether you would account for the tax consequences under each of these systems or tax regimes, tax systems separately. So the committee concluded on the latter view, mm -hmm. which is, I think, consistent with, with our view and what many companies have done mm -hmm. in the past. So if you're interested, there's, you know, quite a detailed paper. Yeah. Um, looking at some of the details of this, but as it's only relevant in certain parts of the world. Um, but as you say, one, one of those territories is the UK. So it's, uh, we do see this as there's potentially different tax rates that apply. There's different recognition criteria for uh, deferred tax assets subject to capital gains. So, so it, it is an agenda decision that people need to be aware of, but yeah. uh, uh, we haven't got time to go into, into further detail. So. Right. I think that was uh, the, the the end of the key issues that were discussed by the agenda committee. But there were a couple the interpretations committee, sorry. But there were a couple of other things that were on uh, were on your list. So what 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 were those at a high level? I mean, there there were two other issues on the committee's agenda, but we were not asked to make any decisions on those. So it was really just about asking input from mm -hmm. the committee. Uh, the first one was the post implementation review of IFRS ten, eleven, and twelve. And there was um, quite, a, quite a, I think, quite a good um, agenda paper on that one, highlighting um, some of the issues that we are seeing with IFRS 10, 11, and 12. So if you're interested in that, I suggest you have a look at the, uh, that agenda paper. Uh, I think it was agenda paper three. It's quite, um, quite a good overview of the metals that have been identified. We discussed some extra uh, nuances of that, but I think uh, to get, um, if you're interested in that, have a look at that paper. The other um, issue was the agenda consultation, mm. which obviously is quite an important topic because it really decides upon the direction of the, you know, of the ISB for, for the forthcoming years. Mm. Um, so I think that's quite an important debate. And um, I think there was a notion that the, um, you know, that the board should have sufficient time to deal with, you know, some of the issues that will inevitably come up in relation to the new standards. Mm. So IFRS, uh, particularly IFRS 15, IFRS 16, uh, and IFRS 17 as well. Mm. Uh, so that should be kept in mind. And, um, you know, some suggested that perhaps the, other than that, the board should focus um, quite a bit on maintenance rather than, you know, doing, doing major new projects. Mm. The final point I would like to highlight, I think there, I think there were a lot of people um, suggesting that there's one particular topic that the ISB should invest time in, which is the uh, area of intangibles. Right. Um, and I think there, there, you know, um, there was a strong sense amongst the committee that that is an area where additional work needs to be done. But also there was a strong notion that we need to be very careful in determining the scope of, of what exactly we want to do. Because I think as history has shown, yeah. you know, this is not, this is not an unproblematic area and you need to be very thinking very carefully where you can actually be helpful. Yeah. So I think the, the overall notion, notion was, yes, we need to do something about it, but we need to be careful in terms of determining the exact scope of that work. And I guess that that project has been on the agenda for for a while in various guises, and and deals with, you know, when when should you recognise intangible assets, depending on how they have they have uh, been created. We do have a very mixed model at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, do you want to 
have a have another look at that. You could start from first principles, or as you say, you could yeah. you could uh, have a, have a more focused project. Would have a chance of completing before the next decade is out. Exactly. That was also a comment made, you know, uh, um, yeah, before the next decade is out, or let's say in the working life of somebody <laughs> in the room, that's what yeah. someone said. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. So, uh, so it's been a, uh, thank you, Carsten, for, for sharing, for sharing that insight. It's, it's been a busy year for the Interpretations Committee. There's been 30 or so items, I think, that have been debated. And uh, are you seeing, do you, do you think you'll remain equally busy as we go into next year? Um, I think so. I will, I think we've, you know, I, I, of course, I don't know, but I'm guessing we might see quite a few issues coming up in relation to IFRS 16. We mm -hmm. are already seeing that now, and uh, I, w you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if more of those are coming up in the next year. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, there are, uh, you know, other issues coming up, IFRS 15, and you know, um, other standards as well. And you know, as we move into the next year, and perhaps uh, next years, plural, um, I think there will also be more IFRS 17 issues coming up as well. So that's um, also important to keep that in mind. Excellent. So you're going to be going to be busy, but uh, thank you for sparing time in your busy schedule to come and uh, talk to us through uh, through the latest machinations of the Interpretations Committee. So so thank you, Carsten. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure having you here. Um, so uh, thank you all for for listening. If you've got any technical questions, uh, by all means, look to our guidance on the PwC Inform or pwc.com forward slash IFRS. And in the meantime, happy accounting. The preceding program was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.